Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to the program. This is The Call. 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. We're going to get through it all in the next 60 minutes. It is Wednesday, the 14th of October. I'm Ingrid Willinge. Our guest today joining us in the studio is Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. Welcome to you. Thank you. And of course, Andrew Wyland from uh, DP Wealth Advisory joining us via Skype. Andrew, always a pleasure to have you on the program as well. Welcome to you. Hi, Ingrid. Hi, Michael. We will kick it off, though, with the stock of the day. Before we get into the 10 stocks that have been chosen by you, the Bank of Queensland, that is the stock we're watching first up. Uh, It has cut its full-year dividend by 82% to just 12 cents a share. Um, The lowest payout in a century, it comes as full year cash earnings, crashed some 30% to $225 million. The lender was hit by an already unveiled $175 million impairment charge, including a $133 million COVID related provision. Revenue was flat in the period at 1.1 billion. And looking ahead, the lender saying, our prudent collective provision sees us well-placed to withstand anticipated lifetime losses arising from COVID-19. So we did see um, some of these details coming through from Bank of Queensland. Let's get more. We'll bring in you first, Michael, uh, in terms Mm. of the stock of the day. What did you make of these numbers? They seem to be a little bit better than expected. I think the dividend was looking at um, what the analysts were expecting, maybe Mm. just a little bit better. Um, Obviously, their earnings are down. Um, The net interest margin was up slightly, but that was also expected. So no nasty surprises, and we've seen the stock trade up 3% today. So, you know, not too bad. I think in the short term, it looks like it does want to recover a bit and trade higher. Ultimately, not a fan of Bank of Queensland. I'm not a fan of the banking sector in general, but, uh, you know, these these sort of second-tier banks have really struggled over the last five years. I mean, this thing used to trade at $14. Mm. Now it's down in the sixes. So it doesn't matter what your dividend is, you're still behind um, if you bought it back there. And I don't really see it making a lot of headway from here. I think there's still some headwinds in terms of uh, in terms of the economy. Yes, the economy will recover. But, you know, I just wonder if the banks, given a 12 to 24 month view, will actually outperform a lot of other good stocks mm. out there. So ultimately, what I'm trying to say is, Short term, it looks like it will recover. Longer term, I don't think you need to be there. All right. Well, let's get your view, Andrew, over the line. Bank of Queensland, what's your take on this one? The, the company's saying, you know, it's seeing better signs ahead, but we've got some uncertainty to get through first. Yeah, Bank of Queensland, everything that Michael said, uh, the NIM's actually improving, which for banks is amazing, uh, and even paying a dividend <coughs> is also positive as well. But uh, bottom line, I'm with Michael. I could certainly think that's probably not a place where I want to be at the moment. Um, the, the financials in general, Michael, when you, when you talk about the financial space, you don't see much upside for any of the banks. Is this partly because of low interest rates and the low interest rate environment that is set to continue? Yeah, yeah we have that. Obviously, we're, you know, we're coming out of a recession, but it's still a recessionary mm. environment. So there's uncertainty around sort of bad debts and um, uh, you know what the housing market will do. I think, look, there is scope for the housing market to surprise on the upside, but um, it ultimately comes down to, um, you know, where where's the best place to allocate your capital? Mm. I just think there's still a lot of companies that are at depressed levels that could see some further upside in the share prices, um, and I think you'll just do better off in in these other companies than in the banks. Let's get into the 10 stocks though, shall we? And um, first stock of the day, Hello World Travel. Mm. This comes to us from Richard. Thanks, Richard. Uh, for that. This is a tough one because it's the travel industry. We know yep. it's been hit hard, but there's a lot of talk about the recovery story and, yep. and you know whether it's time to buy in. Buy, hold, sell for you? Um, in terms of the sector, a buy. So, you know, banks, tough times ahead. When I was just talking a few moments ago about sectors that could have quite a lot more upside, the travel sector is one of them. So, I mean, I've been on this, um, I've been in the camp of buying these travel stocks for the last, I guess, several weeks now. Um, you know, I think there is quite a bit of upside to be seen over the next year or two. We've already mm. seen these stocks 
uh, move over the last month or two. So where the broader market hasn't really made much progress in the last, say, two months, uh, most travel stocks have actually done really well. So they're already moving, and I think there's still further upside. Coming back to Hello World, look, it's trading okay. Um, their balance sheet's okay. They recently did a capital raising. Mm. Um, but, you know, when I look at other stocks like Qantas, Sydney Airport, one that we've been buying recently is Ardent Leisure, mm. um, who own the uh, theme parks in Queensland. So I can see other stocks that have better potential in that sector <laughs> than Hello World, but generally, mm. Uh, I think if you're in Hello World, you'll see the share price uh, recover over the next few months <coughs> or so. Okay, Hello World. We'll um, keep an eye on that one. But yes, uh, so in terms of a hold for that one then, would you put? I'd have it as a hold. A hold, okay, we'll confirm that. Hopefully we can get Andrew back in a moment. Briscoe Group, um, we might get to mm. that one, ticker BGP. That comes from Leslie. Michael, what's your thoughts? Um, it's definitely a no. And <laughs> the main reason there is when I looked it up, it just didn't even look like it was trading. And I can see that it's, it's rarely traded um, you know, over the last year. It's just hardly traded. There's just no volume. Um, so it looks like it's, new, it's basically listed in New Zealand, listed here as well. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you're investing in the Aussie market, you, you're here for liquidity. I mean, if you're after um, illiquid assets, I mean, there's surely mm. other things you can, you can invest in. So I mean, yeah, look, ultimately it just comes down to the fact that you just can't trade this thing. You just can't get out. So uh, just too much for, you know, too much risk for me. So I'd, I'd have a no on this one. All right. I'm going to switch back to Andrew. Apologies to viewers. We're going to switch back a stock now um, and just get Andrew's view on Hello World. Andrew Weiland, welcome back to the program. Hello World. We've just had a hold um, from Michael. He said he's a buy more broadly on the travel sector, but a hold uh, for Hello World. What's your take? Um, Hello World. Uh, I didn't hear what Michael said. I guess from my point of view, the key thing is that, you know, they've been strongly reducing their cost. They've reduced their workforce by about 35%. They just did that uh, capital raising. Um, but both the C, uh, CEO and also chairman have been increasing their holdings, and that's a positive sign. You want to see management and the board uh, supporting these raisings as well. Their net interest margin is pretty ordinary. Uh, sorry, profit margin rather is pretty ordinary. It's only about 2%, or a 2% return on equity. You compare that to say corporate uh, travel, CTD, it's about 11% and a 19% margin. So yeah, from my point of view, uh, not probably one that I'd be super interested in at this stage. Uh, it's not a sell, but it's certainly not a buy. So I guess that puts us into whole territory, Andrew. Briscoe uh, Group, Australasia, BGP for those playing at home, you a buy, a hold or a sell? Um, I'm probably a hold. I, I'm not a. I'm not a sell. Uh, I, I take on board exactly what Michael's saying. It's it's mm. a crab pot stock, you know, uh, difficult to get into and even harder to get out of. So that's certainly a, a, an amber light from us. But if you actually look at the underlying business itself, um, the underlying business itself is actually doing pretty well. Because remembering New Zealand, they had those severe lockdowns, certainly a lot more extreme than what we had. Um, but post the lockdown, they've actually had a big uh, increase, not only in their sort of uh, physical sales, but also their online online sales. Mm. Online sales up almost 100%. Uh, the PE of around 14 times is is undemanding. It's a 24% return on equity, uh, and it's a 9% profit margin, net profit margin. So, look, I, I don't mind it, but it's that trying to get into the business, trying to get yourself set, which I agree with Michael's the issue. But as an underlying business, that's okay. Overall, it's a hold. All right. Um, okay, let's move on from that one then. We've got a hold from you on Briscoe and turn to Vocus. And Andrew, I'll give you first right of reply on Vocus. Um, we know what Vocus does, uh, fibre and network solutions provider. Are you a buy, hold, sell first up, Andrew? Uh, I'm probably a hold. Uh, certainly relating to where management was, you might remember there was that civil war that was taking place, oh, what was that, about three or four years and that, three or four years ago now, mm. and it was being sort of played out in the media nearly every single day because in essence they were an aggregator. They went out and bought a whole heap of disparate businesses, uh, Commander, iPrimus, etc., and uh, it sort of all ended in tears. But they seem to be getting their act together. I guess the thing that sort of I look at is, I keep on banging on about this return on equity, how much money are they making with your money? So their return on equity is around 1.6% per annum. Now compared to term deposits, that's probably not too bad. Mm. But if we compare it to say Telstra as an example, Telstra's return on equity is about 12.5%. Or if we go across the ditch, continuing our New Zealand theme today, 
Spark, you know, the former te Telecom New Zealand, mm. it's got a 28% return on shareholders' equity. So these guys and girls are only about 1.6%. And similarly with their profit margin, 2% for Vocus, 7% uh, for Telstra, and 11% for Spark. So versus their peers, financially, they're not stacking up. PE of 21 times relative to forecast earnings growth of about 12% doesn't really sound that flash. And in their recent results, they missed their um, results versus consensus by about 6%. So it's okay, but it's a hold. It's certainly neither a buy nor a sell. We don't mind you banging on about EPS. It is an important metric, uh, Andrew, for sure. Michael, what's your take? Um, yeah, for me, it's pretty much a sell. So for the, the reasons Andrew just highlighted, I think it's quite expensive up here and mm. um, you know their growth isn't yeah their growth just isn't high enough to, to justify um, what it's trading on and during their recent update um, the company did say they're expecting more of a recovery in the second half so you know that old chestnut where yeah. didn't do too well now should work out later doesn't always end up the case so yeah look I'll have it as a sell it's I mean in terms of the way it's trading it's just fallen short of its September high recently mm. which is a bit of a worry so I'd be happy to take the early sale here, but if you wanted to give this one a bit more time, I'd have a hard stop loss at 340, so another sort of 20 something cents lower um, in terms of in terms of charting stuff. But yeah, look, I'd, I'd be happy just to, to ditch it here and move on to something else. In the competitive landscape, do you have a view on the sector, Michael? Um, look, there's not really anything that's that's grabbing my attention. I mean, I, you know, I'm happy not to diversified in almost every sector in the market so I think there's strong sectors like the travel sector um, that I just mentioned I'm happy to be pretty focused in in only a few sectors half a dozen sectors I think telecommunications sector nothing really grabs grabs my attention at the moment what about you Andrew because you were a, a hold for Vocus I mean is there anything else in the sector that would push you to a buy oh I guess it depends on how far you want to sort of cast the net uh, and, and I'm about to start clutching at straws here, and it's in fact one of the it's in fact one of the companies that are coming up, you know, mm. around that next DC piece. I think is quite interesting. Uh, but as I said, that I'm really clutching at straws trying to put that into telecommunications. If we're sort of narrowing that focus, I think Spark is certainly one that people mm. should be having a bit of a look at. Uh, it's got a pretty good dividend, no franking, of course, because it's New Zealand based. But uh, that margin's pretty good, and uh, without going all political on you, actually did their NBN right. Yep. And so uh, they don't have all the expense of upgrading to fiber, you know, from a multi-asset mix or whatever we decided to, to do. So it, it's, it's a defensive space. It's a, certainly one in which the earnings are relatively predictable. Mm. And the other thing, though, you've got to bear in mind, Ingrid, is that whole change in technology coming up around 5G, uh, middle wave technology as well, coming here to Australia in 2021. But if it was today and you said you have to buy telco stock, I'd be buying Spark, it certainly wouldn't be Vocus, and even Telstra at these levels. Despite what they came out and said about the dividend yesterday, uh, I'd find it pretty hard to get excited about Telstra at these levels as well. All right, I want to talk about the next stock, stock number four for the hour. This is 4D Medical, um, 4DX if you're, if you're trading at home. And it comes to us from Sean, so thanks Sean for asking about this company. We actually spoke to this business um, on the show a couple of weeks ago. Seems like it's very switched on business, certainly in the sexy area of things at the moment with you know being in medical, being in lungs, um, which is mm. particularly um, of interest due to COVID. What's your thoughts, Michael? Um, yeah, look, I mean, I'd, I'd only started looking at it this morning and mm. you know, ticks the boxes in terms of you know, respiratory, um, you know, scanning, you know, uh, coronavirus tick, software as a service that's that's thrown in there yeah. you know that's that's hot at the moment as well so it ticks all those boxes um i look i i don't know enough about it but i'd say that it warrants further investigation i mean it looks interesting they're obviously they've got revenue coming in they've just had this um uh tga approval yeah. recently for one of their products so look I, I think it does look really interesting i suppose if i had to take a punt now i'd say i'd be happy just to buy it mm. um just based on what i've seen this morning um, and it's trading pretty well also but obviously you'd want to do a little bit more research but first glance i think it looks pretty interesting yeah okay um so hold yes. or a buy no we'll make it a buy okay yes we can get a buy from you i'm happy with that um so we'll put that down as a buy andrew can we add this to our portfolio have you got a buy on this stock no pressure ingrid yeah uh, no pressure um no, look, I, I'm going to say no, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm not trying to break your uh, no, break track right. record here, but at where are they today? 248? 
Uh, I mean, where'd they start at? Mid-August, they were 73 cents. So for those who participated in the IPO, uh, are looking pretty good. Uh, my good mate, Henry Jennings, has done a lot of work on it and uh, has got some good notes in that, Marcus, today. Newsletter, and equally so, friend of the show, uh, Claude Walker, who uh, I see Koshi was talking about his call on Promedicus recently. He's also got a great little article on, uh, on his website too mm. about 4DX. So if you're looking for a bit of info, there's a bit more there. I guess from my point of view, um, the key thing comes back to there's no revenue. I, I like the business. I like the fact that the uh, CEO of ProMedicus uh, is involved here as well. Uh, there, there's lots to like about this, but you are really buying this on the smell of uh, the whiff of petrol. There's uh, mm -hmm. certainly nothing in the tank and uh, until you get some execution. So, you know, to, to Michael's point, if you want to buy because the momentum's there, and absolutely the momentum's there 100%, mm -hmm. and the technology's great, but uh, any sort of remote risk off from a market point of view, and they're gonna come off in a hurry. And that to me is probably your opportunity then to get set. Uh, but if you're trading, you're playing the momentum game, this ticks all the boxes, but as sort of a more of an investor, yeah. uh, I'd probably be just waiting for that uh, risk off moment. But Andrew, I mean, you know, when it looks at something like 4D Medical and you say, yes, you're buying it on hope, of course, in a lot of ways, but there's also a lot of things that are going right for the company. Is there a room in a portfolio for something like this? You want me to say buy, don't you? No, I, I don't want you to say buy, but I, I, I certainly am not going to try to sway you because, you know, I have no you know, thoughts on it, really. I just want to get your views. But I just wonder, you know, from a sort of specy perspective on something that, you know, has a lot of tailwinds behind it, is there a place for it? In what sort of portfolio is there a place for stocks like this? Oh, 100%. You know, like in the context of, say, I'm a growth investor. So in other words, I understand the share market moves around a lot. I don't get worried at night if that's occurring. Mm. And uh, that thrill of the, the chase, so to speak, sure, 40x should be part of your portfolio. Uh, but equally so, if you're a bit more sort of um, boring, uh, stayed, uh, conservative maybe, then either it shouldn't be there or you're waiting for that sort of pullback moment. But in the context of your question around specs, um, sure, I mean, you know, if you're a growth investor, five to 10% of your portfolio and things that have got a bit of get up and go about yeah. them, or from a thematic point of view, you know, so as an example, we here think that robotics and AI is going to be a mega trend, something over the next uh, five to 10 years and beyond, that's going to really fundamentally change not only society, but the economy. So we're positioning our clients and our satellite portfolios to that thematic. We think cybersecurity is an area that people should be exposed to. We think that esports should be an area that they're exposed to. So you can design portfolios that have a core focus. You've got your core stocks or your core ETFs. And then on the other side, you've got your specs or your satellites. It's just really from your attitude to risk point of view, what's the weighting in each? Yeah, okay. Well, I'll stick with you, Andrew, um, and you can kick off this next one. We've got our next stock, Next DC. Um, so we're looking at this one. It comes from us from Trish. So thanks, Trish, um, for asking about the stock. Of course, a huge transaction um, with it striking this $1.5 billion bank debt deal yesterday. Um, so that's in folks or in, a, in the last couple of days, powering up this development pipeline, of course, in Sydney and Melbourne. You said before, Andrew, that you, um, well, you said you were alluding to perhaps liking the stock. Talk us through it. It's a buying grid. Oh, there you go. Put it down. <laughs> Tick the box. Uh, you know, I quite like this. And I just briefly touched on esports and gaming just before, and we see that as a, a, a big growth area, and it's growing by about 37% per annum over the last five years. And Next DC actually plays into that thematic as well, um, because the, if, if it continues to grow at the rate it is, there's about 8 million Australians that play games either with a console, your computer, or your trusty mobile phone. So if there is that continued growth, and we can't see why that wouldn't be the case, then you need that infrastructure, that backbone behind it. Next DC is certainly the, one of the most capable, if not the most capable, to meet that demand. So you're right, that $1.5 billion that they just secured really underpins that story. It replaces a $300 million facility that yeah. they had. So it's obviously the bankers are very relaxed in sort of lending them that type of money. Uh, it was really strong results that came out in August and we're forecasting, they forecast another 24% growth in EBITDA over the next um, 12 months. So I, I think it's, and it's one of the few winners from COVID, you know, we can think of plenty of companies that haven't actually uh, done well out of COVID. Uh, this is actually one of the few that has, so we're very relaxed in buying this one and like it a lot. There you go, buy. Can you give us one to add to the portfolio, Michael? Your buy on yeah, next DC? Yeah, yeah, this is a buy, clearly. So, um, 
you know, all, you know, all those great reasons that, that Andrew <laughs> touched on. Um, you know, that new debt facility saves them about $10 million a year in interest as well. But, um, you know, they're, yeah, in the right sector. They're, yeah, everything Andrew, Andrew mentioned. And look, it is at a all-time high. And I know that people don't like buying stuff mm. at a 52-week high or an all-time high, but stuff that makes an all-time high is doing so because it's going up. It's appreciating. So, you know, why buy something that's making a 52-week low because it's clearly going down? And there's in the market, there's no guarantee that stuff that's going down will head back up. And just because something's going up, um, it doesn't mean that it has to go back. I mean, well, we classic, could classic afterpay. What about that? When everyone yeah. said we'd reached the top, it's continued on the upward trajectory. Well, so even, yeah. Well, even with um, as we could see with uh, with Next DC, I mean, it's been making 52-week highs this year yeah. on you know, multiple occasions. So you could have bought it at $7 when it made a 52-week high, and now it's trading almost $14. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, I, I'm not afraid of buying something that's that's breaking out here. You've got that momentum. Uh, it's a great business. So in short, yes, it's a buy. Competitors for Next DC, is there barriers to entry? I mean, what does the, mm. the landscape look like? I mean, look at, you know, the barriers aren't that high. I mean, you know, ultimately you've got to, you know, Get all the warehousing yeah. in and, and build it up and, and build up the customers. I mean, clearly they've yeah. got, um, you know, you've got a lot of the, the multinational players like like Amazon. But I mean, these guys are doing a, you know, I think they're doing a good job. They're, you know, they're signing up, um, you know, all the new business, and you know, at the moment they're doing well. So you know, whether I'm still holding it in two years from now, you know, remains to be seen. But I think while the trend's there and while they're growing their earnings, you just got to stick with it. Yeah, Andrew, what do you say about valuation? I mean, you know, we talk about the price of Next DC. It's certainly, you know, on the chart, it looks high. But of course, we know that it can continue rising. And obviously, that's your view. So what, just give us a bit more colour around valuation. Never a truer word has been spoken than what Michael just said to you in the audience relating to buying at that 52-week high. If You know, I think back in my time, with the number of people that have tried to make money by buying at the bottom and trying to buy at that 52-week low, and generally it keeps on going, there is a reason it's at a 52-week high is because it's a great business. Um, so I'd be, as I said, very comfortable buying at these levels. Um, from a from a valuation point of view, I know there's valuations out there as high as 20 bucks on this, dependent upon which broker you're talking about. I'm just looking at consensus across the 13 brokers. The consensus at the moment is 13.40, so it's trading at consensus. Mm. But there are certainly far more optimistic brokers than what the share price is at the moment. Uh, but relating to the fact that they are continuing to have that strong double-digit growth in EBITDA, the fact that I'd actually argue the barriers to entry are relatively high. I mean, mm. you know, if us three decided that we wanted to open a, uh, a data centre, you know, we'd sort of cobble together some computers and maybe get an office in the corner there of uh, the Ausbiz studio, but I don't think we'd get too many customers. Uh, we've actually got to have the uh, correct location, long-term contracts in place. Power is obviously a big consideration as well. Security is a, a critical one. So they're, they're doing all the right things. I'm sure you're, you're paying at the top end of consensus, but never mind the more optimistic. And as I said, I've been reading a bit of research. Not many have picked up on this online gaming thing. I think that's really something that's going to really keep booting it along. So, yeah, very, very happy with these. And you spoke about competitors. There aren't really too many. Um, so, again, it's a standout in that space. All right, that's Next DC added to the portfolio because that is a buy from both our guests. And we'll do a bit of su a summary for you. We are halfway through those stocks. Um, so let's take a look at what we've got. Hello World Travel, we got a hold uh, from both our guests. Briscoe Group Australasia, uh, we had a sell from uh, Michael and Andrew had a hold. Vocus, we had a hold from Andrew, Michael had a sell. 4D Medical, a buy from uh, Michael, a hold from Andrew. And Next DC, uh, as we just said, a buy from both our guests. So that gets added in to the Ausbiz portfolio. Now, as we said, as I've just been talking about, this is our portfolio we've been tracking now since July the 1st. So I'm gonna take you through um, what we've been watching. All the stocks that get two thumbs up or a buy from both of our experts on the show we've been putting in. So let's get a check on how we've been performing. Now weekly, we're up four and a quarter percent and seven and a half percent higher on a monthly return. Since July 1, over 16 and a half percent return higher. Taking a look at the stocks we added to the portfolio recently, we've added Smart Group, Sims, James Hardy, Magellan, Link, Credit Corp. Oh, sorry, Link were added. Cre Credit Corp and Molly Spoon were taken out of the portfolio. 
and you can check all the stocks we have in the course portfolio by heading to osbeers.co forward slash portfolio. We'll be updating you every day here on the call with just how it's tracking. And throughout this week, we've been joined by speakers at the Diggers and Dealers Conference. Coming up next hour is Andrew Muir, MD of Goldminer NTM Gold, as the company embarks on further exploration of its Redcliffe project. That'll be from 120 Eastern right here on Ausbiz. So let's continue on uh, with our next five stocks. We've got half the program to go. Let's get straight into it with Premium, ticker PPS. Uh, this one comes from Rex. So thanks, Rex, for your question on Premium. Michael, I'm going to kick it off with you. Buy, hold, sell. Um, I'd have it as a hold. It's, I mean, it's doing well. I think there's still further upside ahead for Premium as well as the sector in general. Can you tell investors, uh, sorry, viewers a bit about what Premium does? So it's a... Um, basically a platform provider um, for uh, you know, share portfolios, investment portfolios. They, you know, a lot of their business is with brokers and, um, and other institutions. So it's just a way to um, you know, put all that together on a nice platform. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and obviously brokers can use it as well for um, you know, whether they've got uh, managed discretionary accounts or, um, or what have you. So um, you know, software, uh, again, software as a service, um, you know, there are a few others uh, in that in that sector. So, you know, there's Hub24, NetWealth, et cetera. Yep. Um, there's a bit of a tailwind because, you know, a lot of the larger banks are starting to, you know, a lot of advisors starting to leave and sever their ties with some of the larger banks and mm. becoming more independent. So they don't have to use the, the systems from uh, their old employer. There's, there's all these other ones they can start moving their clients onto like Premium and, and Hub24. So there's a bit of a tailwind there. And a lot of the share prices have been doing pretty well. Um, Premium's just recently made an acquisition as well to, to add to their earnings. So the share price has done really well off the March low. So it's, you know, from 20 cents, we're looking at levels just under 60 cents now. So there's a very nice trend there. It's nice as a hold. Um, I don't like the way it's traded in the last couple of days. So for me, I'd rather finesse a better buying opportunity, um, you know, maybe in the lower 50s, but, you know, ultimately it's, it's doing pretty well. Okay, but a hold from you. Yep. Sounds like you're close to a buy. What would get you buying it? I'm not um, trying to, be, yeah, like, don't think I'm trying to persuade you guys to do buys because I'm not. I just yeah. want, so, so basically <laughs> I I'm looking. I don't know what Andrew's thinking. Sorry, so, so we're looking at a, we're looking at a trend here and at the moment it's at the top of that trend yep. and it's shown me signs of, of rejection near the top of that trend. So, um, and I'm just talking in terms of between March and now. So, you know, ultimately what you want, prefer to see is it come back to the bottom of that trend without mm. breaking it and that gives you the better entry point. Either that or if it, you know, breaks out to, um, you know, beyond that that uptrend, and then you've got that that sort of tailwind and momentum behind you. So, you know, if you're trying to buy things like this, I think it's very important to look at the charts mm. because you could buy it now at 57 cents, but if you could buy it at 51.52, you're already ahead 10% by buying it at those better prices than just going in and 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 doing it now. So, yeah, it's, there's a long answer there, but. But basically, I'd like to see it closer to that sort of 51, 52 cent level. Okay, makes sense. Andrew, what's your thoughts on premium? Buy, hold or sell? Um, I'd, I'd nearly say buy, nearly say buy. Because um, in fact, Michael just had me thinking as he was talking there around that sort of technical piece. And I agree with what he's saying. Mm. I guess I also look at it back to sort of 2019 and 63 cents is a pretty critical number. Because that's pretty much where it peaked at back in 2019. So if we can sort of break through that, then I think, you know, it's almost that next DC conversation where yeah. it's sort of continuing to make newer highs. Bear in mind, it's all time high. It's back at around $1.10 in uh, 2018. So uh, it sort of formed that low and it's uh, marching back. Um, we use Premium here. So, you know, Michael's talking about uh, advisors who use Premium, we're, we're one of those. Mm -hmm. And uh, we quite, without turning it in and add into Premium, we quite like the flexibility that it gives. So certainly, um, uh, you can see a lot of demand from advisors, exactly what Michael said, the Royal Commission has basically turned the, the industry on its head. You're seeing a lot of the big banks walking away from wealth management after paying top dollar to get into it, uh, selling out at the bottom, as they usually do. And uh, you've got a lot of advisors uh, looking for a home and either setting up their own shop or joining independent houses and using these managed accounts in which to affect client recommendations. And Michael spoke about Hub24, the other one, of course, being net wealth. So there's sort of three main players. As Michael said, Premium has just gone and uh, bought PowerWrap or is about to uh, compulsory acquire PowerWrap. So you are seeing a lot of interest in this space. 
I, I guess the thing, as I said, we're users of premium, but I'm just looking at the numbers. Premium's returning 22% return on shareholders fund and an 11% margin, which is great. Uh, but if I look at net wealth, they've got a 62% return on equity and a 35% profit margin. So you'd have to say just on a financial basis, net wealth is probably the better business. But uh, from an industry demand or thematic point of view, certainly managed accounts are not going away. If anything, it's going to accelerate in my view. Okay. So um, we will uh, put you down for a, a buy for premium or a nearly buy for premium, I'm gonna just call it a buy and a hold from Michael. Um, okay, let's move on to the next stock, Aluka Resources, um, ticker ILU. This comes from Alex. Thanks very much, Alex, for your question on Aluka. Andrew, I'm gonna give you first uh, reply to this. Of course, lots to watch with Aluka at the moment, particularly with this vote on whether to merge its iron or royalty into a, a separate listed company. So it is at a somewhat of a juncture. How do you read this as an investor? And I guess, how do you summarize it as a buy, hold or a sell? Um, it's a hold and only because, as you just said, there's so many moving parts at the moment, it's sort of pretty hard in my view to mm. sort of say it's a buy because you've got the vote coming up. Uh, this new uh, entity, Detira, hopefully I said that right, yep. uh, royalties, the one for one. Uh, the underlying business of iLuca, I mean, I've been following iLuca forever and it's been quite volatile. Um, it's that Zircon and Rutile, that mineral sands business. Um, the main use of uh, zircon is around ceramics and the main use of uh, rutile is sort of uh, paint pigments. So it's obviously linked in part to sort of economic activity, but uh, it's, it's quite a good little business and it's going to have, you know, 3,200 employees post split. It's going to be sitting in about $90 million in cash. Um, and if you look at our friend, the PEG ratio, you might remember the PEG ratio, Ingrid, is where you look at the ratio between the PE and the earnings per share growth. So you've got a forecast up here, you're 46 times for forecast earnings per share growth of 61%. So it's a positive peg. We're looking for a number of one or better. But because you've got those moving parts relating to the vote and how's it all going to sort of settle down, uh, I'd probably just have it as a short-term hold and then maybe review it uh, at the end of the year. But interesting business. Okay, um, so that's from you on uh, Aluka as a hold. What do you think? As we said, a lot mm. of moving parts at the moment, Michael. Yeah, so the so that demerger, uh, that spin-off is is pretty much, I guess, priced in. It's it's pretty much accepted. So I don't know if that would be really a catalyst for anything. Um, we've got the AGM in a couple of days, but I noticed just coming on just before coming on air that um, there was an announcement from the company. I think maybe a market update, and it looks mm. like the share price hasn't done much on that so there probably isn't uh, a lot in there we need to be worried about but you know any viewers watching should check that announcement and just double check that that AGM is still on um, on Friday mm. um, because you don't want to do too much just before uh, an AGM um, look I guess this sector should do well in the next year or two as you come out of recession as governments uh, try to stimulate the economy generally resource stocks do well um, whether I'd buy this one or not, I wouldn't have it as a buy. I'd, I'd probably have it as a hold. Um, it, the way it's trading, if you have a look over the last couple of years, as we could see on our screens mm. and sort of the middle there to where it is now, you know, that is a downtrend. So we've got these lower, lower highs, lower lows. I mean, the highs are lower highs if we look at the intraday highs because uh, in February um, it was trading higher than where it was trading there in August. So there is a downtrend in place. Um, I'd be happy to hold it here. If it broke under, say, $9, mm. um, I'd be out. Um, if it pushed through ten fifty, then I'd say the downtrend's over. You could start chasing it. But for me, at the moment, it's in, in no man's land. Just briefly, are you expecting a lot of M&A activity in this whole sector? I mean, I know gold plays are different, but mm. what we've just seen with Saracen and Northern Star and the, the huge merger uh, there, are you expecting to see more of this sort of activity, more consolidation in the broader mining and metal space? I guess, you know, you could you could be a cynic and say, well, we'll have to wait for the top and then there'll be yeah. a few more uh, mergers and acquisitions. That seems to be the case in, in the mining sector. They always seem to pick it at the wrong moment. So, yeah, we haven't really seen too much um, outside of that. But, mm. you know, maybe give it another year or two as, you know, as, as the money starts flowing in from all the stimulus uh, and then, you know, some of the investment bankers get a bit excited, you might see some more. Yeah, what do you think, Andrew? That huge mega merger between uh, Saracen and Northern Star, it's certainly taking the, 
lead at diggers and dealers in terms of getting a buzz happening. Are you expecting lots of M&A activity and consolidation in the broader metals and mining space? In, in fact, uh, Ingrid, I'd probably cast that net a bit wider. And I think from a broader market point of view, we are right. ripe for M&A, um, certainly relating to the, the cheapness of money. Uh, the fact that in this sort of first wave of a recession, the first thing you're sort of going around doing is trying to reduce costs. So, you know, reducing headcount. We just spoke about Hello World as an example, reducing uh, their workforce, unfortunately, by 35%. But once that, uh, dare I say, it, low-hanging fruit, with due respect mm. to all the people who have unfortunately lost their jobs, once that low-hanging fruit is gone, then what's the next step on the efficiency piece? It's around trying to find efficiencies of emerging. Uh, so that's why we like Macquarie as an example. We think there's going to be a heap of M&A activity and Macquarie is going to be right at the front of that and that's one way to play that from a broader thematic point of view rather than saying, well, is it going to be metals and minerals or is it going to be industrials or is it going to be travel or, you know, whatever your sector of choice is. Okay, well, we'll summarise that there. We've got a hold from you both on Aluka. Moving on to our next stock. This is our eighth stock of the session, Kasia Therapeutics, KZA is the ticker. It comes from Tom. So thanks, Tom. Michael, your thoughts on this one, um, oncology, um, sort of biotech. Uh, is that a good summary of the company? Give yeah, us a view of what yeah, they actually much. do. Um, yeah, so they're you know, developing cancer drugs. It looks yep. like they've um, recently entered phase two trials um, for some of their drugs. They've recently raised some money as well. So, um, you know, the, the share price is, is doing well just in the last few months because of yeah, entering those phase two trials and, and the raising of money. Um, for me, it's no, I'd, I'd sell it. Um, mm. But I guess it comes back to your comment earlier, Ingrid, in terms of, you know, is there a place in people's portfolios for stuff like this? For me, they're very binary. I mean, yep. you know, it works out, share price collapses. Uh, sorry, works out, share price goes up, doesn't work out, share price collapses. So I don't have, I guess, the ticker for that sort of thing. I suppose if I wanted to have a go, you'd, you know, you'd put in a very, very small amount mm. in your portfolio and just be aware that, you know, you do have that that sort of potential binary outcome. So I guess for me with my clients, yeah, I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't recommend something like this where you wake up tomorrow and then there's, there's been an announcement. I mean, we've seen Mesoblast the other day and, and there's been others, I just couldn't do it. It's almost like a bit of a gamble, right? I mean, so yeah. would you have it as a hold or a sell? I'd have it as a sell, I'd rather yeah. not be in it. Just stay away. Um, and it's just on that sort of specky um, scenario. Andrew, your take on Casey Share price has done incredibly well over the yeah. last three years. It's um, up about 27% per annum relative to the market, which is up about five. But I think Michael sums it up really well. It is sort of a uh, hero or villain stock. You're either going to look really good or really bad. Um, the underlying fundamentals look pretty good. Um, and again, CEO and MD have been significantly increasing their holdings over the last 12 months. Uh, obviously, the area in which they're working on around brain cancer and ovarian cancer is uh, is critical. Uh, I was just reading before, unfortunately, the survival rate from breast cancer is about 90%, but unfortunately, with brain cancer, it's only 5%. Mm. So if they can find a treatment, that would be great. But uh, I'm actually a hold, and the reason I'm a hold is because they're just, as Michael said, they're, doing that, they're just completing that capital raising at the moment. And the shares were trading at 96 cents mm. prior to the capital raising. So what's going on is you've probably had a number of shareholders actually selling their holdings to take up the new entitlements at a cheaper price. So we just need that sort of, dare I say, dilution to wash mm. through. Consensus on it is $1.43. So as it sort of moves closer to that $1.43, you know, subject to whatever announcements they're making, that might then be your exit. But yeah, I'd probably struggle to sell it at these levels, so I may hold. It's tough with these kind of businesses as well because, um, you know, as we talk about, we all want them to succeed. They're in, you know, a place where you want them to succeed. But as you said, Michael, it could be quite binary. Um, Andrew, it feels like you need to know a lot about the industry to be able to invest in these businesses. I mean, do you see it that way? You almost need a medical degree to actually understand what the catalysts are and, and um, you know, how much, I guess, um, hope you should have for the business. Do, do you agree with that? Do you think you need to be quite clued in with the sort of biotechnology of these companies? 100%. I was uh, just listening to a podcast today, and I'll look it up whilst we're talking, but uh, they were interviewing Dr. Craig Colley from Regal, mm. and uh, he was he made the point that in Australia, there's um, a number of, because these are emerging companies, you know, they're yeah. not big companies. I mean, KZA, $78 million. 
Uh, and these teams are looking at two to three hundred caseyers. And there's two or three people in these teams. Like there's no way in the world that they're going to be across all the nuances. And so it's really around having someone medically qualified or having some scientific background mm. who can sort of say, right, well, there's something interesting here or uh, there's some sort of uh, thing they're working on or a competitor's working on this or having that sort of broad basis where you can apply a filter. Whereas with due respect, you and I and Michael look at it and we go, that looks really interesting, but we have no idea with due respect. Uh, we don't have that medical training. So 100%, you definitely want to have someone um, either like a fund without pushing Regal, like a Regal or companies like mm. that that have those medicos on board, mm. or the fund itself, that's all they're investing in. It's very hard for the average bear to pick the right one. Yeah, it is hard. All right, um, moving on from that, KZA, KZR, Quick Step Holdings, QHL. Um, Andrew, you'll go first on this one. Quick Step Holdings, can you just um, tell viewers a bit about the business? Yeah, so it's got defence and commercial aerospace clients. It's carbon fibre processing. Um, if you look at the chart, which I'm sure we'll see in a second, the chart, the chart is just dreadful. They have a long history of raising money and diluting shareholders. Uh, and it's going to be my only seller today. Oh, okay. Because when Koshi and I were talking about this back in May, uh, I think it was about 10 cents. Uh, yeah. We're now down to, what, 8 cents? Um, yeah, serial disappointer, and I can see no reason why they won't continue to be so. Okay, a sell from Andrew, pretty clear there. Conviction with that sell. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I'm the same. So. Yeah, look, this, this manufacturer, they're you know, very, very volatile in terms of their earnings as well. So their cash flow was negative mm. last year. It's turned positive again. Their recent update was just talking about, despite the uncertainty, we're very positive about the future, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't look like the market's buying it anymore. And um, yeah, just not buying the story and, and it's been drifting back. So uh, yeah, look, it doesn't look like we've got investors on side to give us that that wave behind us. It's mm. just one big downtrend. Um, only trades about $55,000 a day. So even if you did want to have a bit of a go, you couldn't put a lot into it anyway. So yeah, there's obviously better opportunities in the market. Is there a point um, with some of these sort of smaller caps where you say, oh, everything has a price and there's, there's a price where you may buy it or is it just a business that you would stay away from? Uh, look, I just stay away. Um, I mean, with a lot of these companies, you know, there's always the uncertainty about what, what will happen next year. So yeah. any price, I guess, is sort of predicated on well, what are their earnings going to be? And, you know, ultimately, if you don't know what their, their earnings would be because they're just so volatile or uncertain, yeah. then, you know, you almost can't sort of safely say, well, it's, it's this price, uh, happy to buy it. So, um, look, you know, it might be in terms of what they're doing. They might be doing great things, just like the previous company. I mean, even though I wouldn't buy Casey, I mean, they're probably doing great things. It, Etc. Etc. But I'm just thinking of the point of view. If I've got a dollar to spend, I need some sort of return on it. Mm. Um, I need, you know, some sort of certainty. I need something that's going up. And um, yeah, ultimately, this one just doesn't doesn't cut the mustard, unfortunately. All right. Well, let's move on to our final stock of the day. We can give it a bit more time because it certainly is a, an interesting sector more broadly. Kogan ticker KGN. This comes to us from Shauna. Shauna, thank you very much. Uh, Michael, I'm going to get you to kick this one mm. off. Are you a buy, a hold, or a sell for Kogan? Buy. Okay. So we've had clients top up as recently as this morning. So, you know, it's just doing fantastically well. I mean, again, coming back to earnings, we don't know what the earnings are yeah. um, next year, but at least up until now, they've been growing their earnings, unlike some of these other companies where earnings are up and down, we don't know what's going on. So, yes, they're in a sweet spot at the moment. Yes, it might be expensive, but as long as they continue coming back to market and saying, hey, we grow earnings by another 30% or another 40% mm -hmm. or whatever the numbers are, then you should continue to see an uplift in price. And yes, sometimes it gets ahead of itself, um, as we saw in August with a lot of tech stocks and they had to take a bit of a breather, but that breather's over and, and now the share prices are starting to catch up again. So um, while the momentum's there, happy to hold it. You know, will I be holding it in a year from now? Who knows? Maybe I'll sell it in a month from now. Maybe, maybe it's all over yep. um, and it's time to take profits. But um, you know, we might find ourselves talking about it in a year from now and it's at $30 and, um, and they're taking market share. You just don't know. So I think with those uncertainties, coming back to what I said before, as long as they're growing earnings, then 
you could take the risk and step mm. in and you know buy a position and just you know you don't just turn a blind eye for a year you have to keep an eye on it but yeah. as long as you've got that tailwind um, you know you should be able to make money but you know the chart to some looks a bit scary in that it's just been on the up you wonder if it's reaching the top that's not a concern for you right now well it's it's sort of like the next DC and all the others yep. I mean just you know companies that go up have to make new highs sure. um, you know Kogan made a new high in June at ten dollars now it's at 23 um, why can't it go to 30 I mean it's it's a possibility and yes there is you know there's low interest rates there's fear of missing out there's um, no whatever the other acronym is you know where people have nowhere else to put their money yes there is all that but but the fact is that's there so mm. you might disagree with it but the fact is that people will continue to plow their money into stocks and, and it, as long as they're going up yep that's that's what we're here for nothing here like for a 1400 return in since 2016 pretty nice I'd like in, to in say I bought years. it back then but, yeah. uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people know, would like I mean, to say it yeah look I mean even even a few months ago when we were buying it for some clients, you sort of felt like you were a little bit late to the party and then before you know it, you're up another 20%. There you go. So. And that's exactly why, you know, you've got to consider everything, not just not just the, the technicals, fundamentals. Um, and the, the chart certainly, it seems to be continuing to go up, upwards from here. But I want to get Andrew's view on this. Andrew Wylant, what is your take? You will buy, hold or sell on Kogan. Oh, Ingrid, it's a buy, but it's more of a momentum buy. But having said that, though, probably, you know, we were talking before about mega trends or, you know, the sort of shift in behaviours. So, again, um, you know, friends in Melbourne, as an example, uh, even here in Queensland, you know, we had a period of time where we couldn't go out. And so what did people do? They had their government stimulus money, low interest rates, they were out there spending. So you are from a, a broader thematic shift, seeing a significant change in people's behaviours and online shopping is more the norm. And I think to myself, you know, would I want to buy Maya, M-Y-R, or would I want to buy Kogan? And you'd buy Kogan every day of the week, mm. um, you know, simply because people's behaviours are changing. Uh, I'd like Russland to stop selling, that would be helpful. Um, he's sold about 24% of his shares over the last 12 months. Mm. Uh, and good luck to him, I'm not suggesting that, you know, he's not entitled to, but from a signal point of view it always sort of worries you when you've got major shareholders selling down you know what are they saying to you do they think that things are getting a bit toppy mm. but uh i think at one stage he had around 40 percent of the shares so certainly understandable as to why he wanted to sort of divest i get that but uh if we certainly stop see that happening again from an economic point of view return on equity is about 25 percent we compare that to probably the best uh, bricks and mortar retailer in australia which is west farmers in my view um They've got a return on equity of about 21%. Mm. But if we compare it to, say, Temple and Webster as an example, um, you know, they've got a 35% return on shareholders' funds. So Kogan is not your only vehicle that you should be thinking about. There are others out there as well. I mean, you spoke about Marley Spoon just being dropped out of the, uh, the core portfolio, but that's another one to be thinking about as well. But uh, overall... Um, quite relaxed with them but it's probably more of a momentum play rather than a fundamental long-term stick it in the bottom drawer type of thing yeah okay and do you feel this way about the sector more broadly Andrew just give us a view because you know these sort of e-commerce retail plays obviously doing particularly well as we've been speaking about due to partly the tailwinds from COVID that should continue from here so do you like the sector more broadly or are you very stock specific Oh, I think the sector itself is, is okay. And like you said, I mean, COVID has brought forward, it's a bit of a cliche, but COVID mm. has brought forward five years worth of behavioural change in five months. Mm. So people who take, I'll just go on a brief tangent, you know, like, and I'm sure Michael's the same. If I'd said to a client in January, let's have a Skype call or a Zoom call, especially those who are a bit more mature, if I can put it mm. delicately. How many clients, Michael, do you reckon would have actually said yes to you on that? Less than now, that's for sure. Whereas now, London to a brick, every single yep. client that I say, let's have a Zoom call. And it's not because they can't come in, because they're actually now, you know, nine months into it, it's the new norm. So yep. people's behaviours are changing. And as a consequence, you look at the share price of, you know, um, URW, Westfield, Uniball, uh, they're under immense pressure. People are no longer going to shopping centres and so forth. So this whole online space from a mega trend point of view is on point. And so really, if you're looking at the space, you know, as I just mentioned, you know, Marley Spoon, you've got Temple and Webster, you've got, uh, of course, uh, Kogan that we just spoke about. 
there are a number of these businesses. The ones that are sort of stuck in the middle are ones like JB Hi-Fi as an example, that are very good brick and mortar retailers, but how yep. they're going to sort of add that online channel. So very, very relaxed with this sector. Do you agree, Michael? Yeah, yeah. So look, the sector's fine. Um, look, there'll be a limit as to, as to how much it'll grow, of course. I mean, you know, the sort of rates of growth we're seeing at the moment won't be the same mm. in a few years from now as, as, as the market you know, reaches its, its, its natural limit. But, you know, who are we to say what that limit is? Um, you know, I, there's obviously further upside and at the moment it's worth going along for the ride. All right, well, lots to keep an eye on. Um, I'll do a little summary for us. That was a buy for both those stocks, Kogan. So um, Kogan adding to the portfolio and just to wrap that up, Premium was a hold uh, from Michael, a nearly a buy from Andrew, a Luca, a hold from both. Um, Casia Therapeutics, a sell from Michael, a hold from Andrew. Quick Step Holdings, a sell from both our guests and Kogan, a buy from both our guests. So it can be added, as I said, to the portfolio. So two stocks in summary to add to the portfolio after today's show, Next DC and Kogan. Um, and look, we've, we're talking a lot of ETFs as well. and. Um, Andrew, I know we've got a big ETF special coming up uh, shortly, so you'll be joining us um, for that one soon, I'm sure. But we would like to say a big thank you to Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities, Andrew Wyland from DP Wealth Advisory for joining us on the program today, getting through those 10 stocks. Uh, appreciate your time as always. Any stocks you'd like to cover, flick us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au, or of course you can tweet us at TV. And a reminder where to find all the stocks we have in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio you can get the latest from our team as well straight to your inbox sign up for the cob the stuff you need to know about the day in business finance and startup subscribe at osbiz.co forward slash join we'll have it in your inbox by 5 30 eastern every day monday to friday Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.